man, how many times do I have to tell you, amateurs, that it's not PDL, it's USL League Two? Welcome to our first full episode of Season 2 of Amateur Hour. My name is Chris, and joining me as always is the Soccer Goose. Um, I was going to think of other goose things to say. Oh, well, it's Ben Gosshorn. How's it going, Ben? <laughs> I am doing outstanding. How are you, Chris? I'm good. You know, just chilling uh, and ready for the season to get started finally. Yes. I mean, we still got like a month away from that. Yeah. But we got an awesome interview to uh, kick this thing off for Season 2. We have... USL League Two's Chris Madden. Yeah. Woo! Excitement. Yeah. He um he's joining us again just like he did the first full episode last year to mm-hmm. talk about the changes from PDL, as you heard in our insult intro, to now <laughs> USL League Two and explain, you know, different things of that nature. So um without further ado, here's Chris Madden. And joining us now is Chris Madden, uh, USL League Two Director of Competition and Development. Uh, thanks for joining us, Chris. Happy to be here, guys. We are very much uh, happy to have you back on Amateur Hour for our second season. And um, first question I got for you. So with our new season starting up, uh, you guys have a new name now. Um, I was wondering if you could tell us more about uh, the league branding to USL League 2 and what it means to you. Sure. Yeah. So formerly Premier Development League, PDL, we've gone through our rebrand that took place at the end of uh, the calendar year last year. And Really, it was a, a league-wide, company-wide um, idea and vision to bring all of our amateur to professional properties under our one unified brand. And really, that's our our top-to-bottom championship, League One, League Two type setup um, that we have going in, and, and we're all super excited about it. Um, brings a lot of benefits, especially for our League Two members. Mm-hmm. Um, I can speak on behalf of the League Two members and saying that describing the space in which they operate to sponsors and just really people across the country, they get it better than just being the PDL alone, which in its own right developed its own brand and and name recognition in that the PDL was understood to be the place for college players that wanted to continue to push themselves to go. But now with this... uh, rebranding and structure from League 2, League 1 championship. People get it. Teams get it. Communities get it. So it's it's better holistically for all of our membership. Okay. Okay. So, so when you say restructuring, is that more or less just kind of a more clear pathway uh, from you guys all the way up to the championship? Yeah. So, I mean, aside from the fact that the same look and feel has been kind of unified across those three properties Mm. uh, and those three leagues, there has been naturally uh, more of an integration of standards, more integration of personnel and staff. What it's really done behind the scenes from a technical standpoint, from a development standpoint, is really exciting. I mean, we have communications and, and conversations that we're having currently that are much more integrated with our championship teams and our League One teams and saying that 
you know, from a technical development standpoint, how does League Two best service you guys? Because ultimately, at the end of the day, we want to continue our, our mantra of setting up our players on their pathway to professional soccer. And League Two is the one that is best positioned to service those two leagues. I mean, I think that's uh, been clear for the past years and having PDL supply a lot of players in the championship level, or at least what was USL of old. Uh, but now integrating our scouting work, integrating a lot of new technical initiatives, new technologies, things like that into what League Two is currently, we're going to set ourselves up even better for those types of conversations and really even better to service our players and our communities, our, our teams. Everything about League Two is going to be um, much more integrated, which we're super excited about here in the office. Yeah, very cool. So one thing I've, I've kind of been curious on is how closely will League One be working with League Two um, in the sense of building towards essentially the path to pro? Or is there any type of uh, close-knit working? Because I know we've seen a direct correlation with Tormenta 2 and Tormenta uh, 1, I guess you could say, between those two leagues. But is there any specific workings between those two leagues? Sure. I mean, so you, you're seeing examples right off the bat. We have uh, the one that you alluded to right there, obviously, Tormenta, Darren Van Tassel, and, and my former co-director, Mike Panner, uh, are working really hard there behind the scenes. And their major, major, major uh, desire and really philosophy is to have a top-to-bottom uh, academy. So now mm. they're, they're servicing players from the age of, I think it's two and a half now, all the way up to the professional ranks and really integrating that in-house uh, academy system. And no better setup than what they have in that they've had uh, nine of their guys from last year, I believe that's the current mm. number, go on to their, their roster into League One. So now nine of those guys have gone on to professional ranks. Aside from that, other examples, I know a little bit outside of uh, what is down there in the Carolinas, but up in uh, Green Bay with one of our new teams, Green Bay Voyagers, they're a part of what mm -hmm. is the, the Big Top network. And Big Top is the ownership group for uh, Forward Madison. Right, so now we have a League Two team that is yeah. again directly linked with another League One team up in that area, um, and we can't forget about our guys over in Chattanooga. You know, Bob Martino uh, has made another huge financial commitment um, and a really just a, an idea and commitment to player development. In that, we will have a team out of Dalton that is just a little bit south of uh, Chattanooga and to the Georgia border, and then he. He has a team that's going to be playing out of the Mountain Division in uh, Park City, which is um, in and around Salt Lake City, Utah. So, you know, there's three League One teams right off the bat that have had a full commitment to what is League Two, and that's in year one. Very cool. And that's that's something that's interesting to bring up that I, I it's known about but kind of forgot about that the Voyagers are affiliated with, or in essence affiliated with the uh, for Madison, and then they're even even more affiliated, I guess you could say, with uh, uh, Minnesota United. So mm -hmm. it's, it's essentially a, a direct pathway up there, which is really cool to see. Um, one thing I'm curious with that, too, is do you see, um, or are there maybe unofficial, or do you see it in the future where League One clubs will be affiliated 
uh, with League Two clubs in that type of sense outside of the ownership groups um, being connected in that way? Absolutely. I mean, I think we're seeing that more and more happen naturally uh, as things are going Mm. on, especially from a a technical standpoint. It only makes sense for these guys, especially as we're moving more into clear pathway in that we're filling the ranks of what is now division three in league one and championship is, is taken off and really um, owning the foundation of, of what is uh, the second division league two and, and league one and championship are, are beginning to align on a more regional basis than, than ever before. I mean, it, as an example of what's going on up in green Bay and really that, that whole section of the country, um, soccer has just exploded in an area that traditionally was not really thought of as a huge soccer hotbed. I mean, maybe there were some um, inklings in the past of some really good men's league teams that have really come out of that area and Milwaukee and, and Madison and those types of things, but professional soccer and now more of an integrated structure into that area has really exploded. And that's, that's not just that part of the country. I mean, it's happening everywhere else. I mean, in the past, Tormenta was affiliated with Charleston and so on and so forth, and they've kind of created those types of little uh, little pockets of development for the players to start communicating. But um, moving back to what I was talking about previously was League Two wants to further those conversations. We want to step into a space where we are helping to, quote-unquote, grease the wheels on a lot of those conversations because that's ultimately what's best for soccer, what's best for our players, and really what's best for all of our teams is to really have this network of players and teams and communities that all are pushing forward for the game in the United States. Yeah, very good. That's, that's good information there. Um, the, the, another question I was curious about um, is what would it look like, uh, for instance, if a League Two team came to the USL front office and say, hey, we want to move up to League One. Um, and how would that look like um, as, as opposed to uh, in that structure, I guess? Sure. I mean, a lot of our League Two teams have aspirations to go on to League One, but their first stop along that way is with Mr. Stephen Short right down the office for me. Mm-hmm. And, and he's the guy that's, um, you know, driving that, that conversation forward and, and really, um, you know, is the point of contact for a lot of those things. You know, there are certain standards that have to be met for that type of, of soccer. And, and really, from a mostly uh, population density standpoint for whatever city they're going to be in and around, that's where the first mm. number lies first. But I think that number for us, at least internally when we're evaluating these markets and those types of things, isn't necessarily the first thing that we look at. I mean, I think a great, great, great example of a League One team that is, in our minds, uh, a perfect picture of, like what I said earlier, a top-to-bottom setup that we never would have thought of before would have been Statesboro, Georgia. And they are, they're they're rocking it. They're really doing a really good job over there and um, have really become a model for that type of movement. Um, Tucson was one last year as well. you know, if we're talking about Lansing United making their transition into Lansing United in some way, that market was primed because of Lansing United. So we're really seeing that being more and more of an option. And anybody that's really interested in making that transition for us, 
that's awesome. We, we want to promote that. We really want to push that for them. And we help facilitate that conversation with our counterpart over in League One. Hmm. That sounds awesome. So with uh, League Two, you guys, you know, you did the rebranding and you've got all this, you know, connection straight up to championship and beyond. Uh, what do you see for League Two moving forward, like vision or goals that you have for the future? Sure. Uh, lots, lots happening for us. I mean, I think right off in year one, at least in, in the current iteration of League Two, we are... Mm-hmm being somewhat reactive to the market like we are we are stepping in and we're saying that okay we have this branding but because of like what i said earlier people are being able to see more integration with league two league one and now championship with all of us together we're having a lot of people a lot of companies a lot of different people come at us and say hey we want to work with you and we really need to be smart about what doors we're stepping into and really asking ourselves is this the best uh, environment or, or the really does it support the long-term initiatives of what this property and all of league one and, and championship and the usl as a whole is this where we want to go so mm-hmm. right off the bat a few initiatives that we really took hold and really wanted to get a hold of was um, unifying what we're calling our digital network um, an example of what I could probably equate it to is if you go to um, any MLS website, they all have the same look and feel. You know, when you go to an MLS website, it has the, the bar up top that has all the teams and it shows the scope of what the league is. What we've done mm-hmm. is to say that we're making a commitment with one of our major partners in Sports Engine. And aside from all of our League One and championship teams being on this platform we're also going to have all of our league two teams on this platform um so it's really going to show the size and scope and and all of our teams are going to have the same look and feel but what we do with it is and really at the end of the day you know why is this important why does a club in some part of the country have to get onto a sports engine platform well the answer is because we can offer it at a much 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 cheaper cost um than a lot of our other competitors or even if they just wanted to go purchase it on their own because of the breadth of the entire USL network. So uniforming a lot of our properties is the answer to that question as far as where we're going because we Mm -hmm. want to try to help set up our clubs from a financial standpoint of being sustainable and really keeping soccer uh, alive in their markets because that's the desire. You know, we we don't want to have our teams be there for a couple of years and then go away. I think that's the desire of of any league um, is to make them stable um but aside from our digital network we're working on some other things that will help them a little they're a little bit more uh we'll say front-facing and a little bit more edgy and cool and that we're speaking a little bit more with um our championship teams and their technical staff and talking to a lot of uh technology companies on how we can integrate our scouting network um into what they want so wearable technologies for our scouted players on the field um you know, a video analysis that can be shared for all of our scouts, um, all of those types of things, so that when we have the video analysis or the wearable technology for the players, they're all shared with the championship and League One uh, technical staff members so that they can evaluate the players and begin to recruit those players to play um, at the championship or the League One level. So a lot of really cool things coming down the line, um, but those are the first couple things that we're working on and 
you know, to really get us primed for where we want to go. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, that sounds good. I, um, one thing that I, I was curious about that we both are personally invested in, you know, with all these clubs that we're following, uh, I know, uh, you know, championship is on ESPN plus league one is on ESPN plus. I can't imagine league two would be on ESPN plus cause that's a lot of teams and a lot of different scenarios, but I was wondering, are you guys going to do a similar thing that you did last year with your website where people can go and find an easy place to find, okay, what games are being streamed this week? Sure. Um, hundred percent. Our match center is going mm-hmm. to be live on our website. Um, we are working on, and that's one of the things that we're working on behind the scenes, is working on a partner that will bring all of our games to light um, to wow. where we can watch and, and engage with all of our games. You guys know the space very well. So when we're talking about our League 2 teams and, and really what, uh, what realm they're operating in, um, an ESPN Plus setup is not something that we're, we're ready to go with right now. And that really, that yeah. really is dependent yeah. on ESPN's current need for their stream um and that's you know a good financial commitment right now and a lot of our teams just aren't necessarily there yet and that's that's okay we're okay with that but there are initiatives that we're working on right now that can help set that up and really bring all 500 of our games to be able to be viewable by any fan um any fan can go Mm -hmm. in there and, and watch the games that's our goal for this year and that's what we're moving towards and and hopefully there's some announcements coming down the line that's going to um, bring that, that to light. But I'll, I'll keep that uh, a little bit hush-hush right now as we're kind of working through what that looks <laughs> like. I mean, we want to make sure that that's, uh, that's what's best for our membership and not really going to impose more stress on them. And that's kind of what we're working on right now. But aside from that, um, not only will the fans and communities be able to go out and watch the games and maybe their families um, from wherever our players are coming from, uh, to wherever they're at, but what we're going to do is we're also going to have all of that content online for the players themselves to go um, grab clips if they want to highlight themselves and really promote themselves if they choose to do so. The other thing as well, which is what is you know in, in a counterpart area in college soccer or or something uh, to that ability right now. Um, all video is viewable at that level, so why not at the League Two level? Um, if we're asking mm-hmm. for our coaches to be better coaches um, and they're not willing to share their games, well, that's not a great excuse. Um, they should, mm-hmm. you know, in all honesty, we, we should coach harder. Um, and that's mm-hmm. really what we're going to do. We want to have open source with our video content and really share it with as many people as we possibly can um, so that, one, the players are getting better through better coaching. Um, or having to adapt and that all of that information is available and ready to be seen. Uh, two, all of the fans can view all of these games and, and really engage with them and go back and watch clips and really get to know their team better, uh, being that they can't necessarily be there for every game. Um, and then three, we're going to have it in all one, one location. So if for whatever reason uh, you want to watch it live, that's great if that's offered from the team. Um, and then if not, it will be there viewable for you later. That sounds wonderful, especially for uh, us, because two things that I found a bit, you know, I mean, understandable, but also, well, one of them I didn't find understandable, but one thing I found frustrating was, uh, I don't know if you remember to spend when the mutiny were in the playoffs, we couldn't watch that game live and it was immediately taken off of YouTube. And we were kind of told like, 
it was most likely kind of a gamesmanship thing from the team that beat the mutiny so that the other team couldn't scout them. So, so I love the idea of it being open source to where people can watch it, not only you know opposing coaches, but us fans who maybe can't watch every single game live because yeah. you know, life's hectic. You can't always watch soccer live. And when you try to stay away from Twitter for two hours so you can get home, watch the game, and then, oh, it's not there. It's disappointing. So sure. that's good to know. And uh, I also, uh, the part that I say is understandable is, you know, it's not easy for every team to stream, but if there is a day where every team can stream, I'd love it because I'd love to be able to talk about the Carolina Dynamo as much as I could talk about Lions Bridge. Mm-hmm. But right now, or at least last year, one was easier to watch than the other. Sure, yeah. It so it yeah. definitely would be good to be able to watch all teams equally. The, the biggest barrier, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you say that because that's one of our major initiatives this year. I mean, it, that's ultimately the goal, right, is to work towards that. But I think you guys know and, and maybe most of your, your listeners know that um, the biggest barrier to entry, I believe, is, is education and understanding about how, how much easier it really has become to, to stream your games um, and mm-hmm. really um, what technology is available for teams to go out there and, and do this um, and really what value mm-hmm. you get from putting your games out there live. I think mm-hmm. the, the old adage to say that, um, well, if it's, if it's live, you know, and there it's, it's online, why would someone come to the, to the stadium? And that, that might be true for that one match, but the other seven matches, eight matches that you have that one match that they watched online might engage them or want them to come out more. It's all about just keeping that mm-hmm. conversation going and really trying to engage the fans as much as we possibly can in, in any way and really hold on to. Um, what the fans want to see, which is you. So let's go ahead and celebrate that as a team and try to set up our Mm -hmm. teams in the best way to do that. So um, that's 100% the goal, and that was the mission and vision, and that's what we're moving towards. That's awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. And, uh, you know, if it can't happen this year, it's understandable, but if it can in the future, I would love that too. (laughs) So... Speaking more to our area, you know, we uh, we like to. I mean, we're a little bit different this year. You know, we're with BGM. We're not strictly focusing on the Carolinas anymore, but kind of the area. Mm-hmm. Um, what's uh, what? What can you say is going on more for teams in our area, which would be you know Carolinas, uh, you know Lions Bridge, and you know folks around that area. Sure. Well, you got two new teams coming in. Well, mm-hmm. I guess depending on how far out you guys go, you have a couple more than two. But just specifically right. for the Carolinas, you have Wake and Discoveries. Um, mm-hmm. Two really good clubs that we're super excited about, especially in that area, just breeding competition uh, for a lot of our already established clubs in that area. So really um, looking forward to seeing what those guys can do on and off the field. I mean, it's been seamless integration for those guys, uh, for us in League Two, and you know, really got to know them really well at the Winter Summit uh, back in December. So um, excited to have them come on board. But um, really the exciting things that you guys have coming. I mean, Lionsbridge second year and in, in what they're doing there, that one's going to be really, um, you know, really exciting to see what they can do. And then Tri-Cities is, is coming back from what was the, the deep south to be in the South Atlantic and participate up in that division. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're that part of the country is, is a very, very good area for um, a lot of strong clubs. So, I mean, I, I obviously have to be as um, neutral, and I am as neutral as, as possible <laughs> as far as which parts of the country are uh, the, the most difficult division or conference to make it out of. And each division and conference has its own nuance that makes it super unique. Um, 
but this one has to be one that is in you know really up at the top as far as um, how difficult it is and that's um, you know, as far as the competition level and, and those types of things in that area because a lot of the players come from a lot of what is really good colleges in that area so it's hard to make an argument um, with one or the other but I mean exciting soccer is coming your guys way more teams um, mm-hmm. and a little bit more compact of, a, of an area so hopefully less driving for you guys as far as uh, in between <laughs> the games so um, a lot of great things. Yeah, we're pretty excited because uh, we did pay attention to both South Atlantic and Deep South last year, but this year it seems feels a little more balanced from a Carolina perspective. Um, we are still mostly focusing on Carolina, but I think Lions Bridge taught us last year that there's some awesome teams to discover in the surrounding area. We're both going, we're planning on going to Lions Bridge this season, and we're very excited about that trip. But I, I love how last year. Only the Bantams were in the Deep South, but now, you know, there's three Carolina teams in the Deep South, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and then yep. I think four Carolina, three or four Carolina teams in the, in the um, South Atlantic, so it's a lot more balanced from a Carolina perspective. But, you know, we're interested to see. Uh, we're going to at least watch Virginia Beach United. Sure. Uh, we're not going there, but we're going to get to watch one of their games uh, when they visit uh, Tobacco Road, I believe it was, off the top of my head. And uh, that's going to be interesting just to see all these new teams and see how they compete with each other. So I know with you know League Two, uh, things constantly change. Uh, playoff perspective. I was wondering if you could tell us how exactly teams can qualify from the playoffs from these divisions. Sure. So um, what we're looking at is in a conference that has three divisions, you're going to have each division winner um, based mm-hmm. on points, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, based on our allocation of, uh, you know, elimination, I guess, to say. Uh, each division winner is going to advance, and then the second highest mm-hmm. by points amongst those three divisions will emerge from the conference to be the fourth member to emerge from that conference. So each conference needs to have four members come out of it to go to what is uh, the regional playoff games. And in that last year, they were hosted in... Uh, South Georgia Tormenta for the South, and then the Eastern Conference, I believe, was up in Reading, if I'm not mistaken, mm. um, for those. So it, it's really the same setup. We have the exact same amount of divisions, um, exact same amount of conferences. So what you're looking at from last year is going to be the exact same from this year. Okay. Well, that's good to know. At least it'll be you know clear for us to know what what's going on with that. And, uh, sure. I guess there's a little more balance now, so hopefully we can get more to one Carolina team or a team you know that we follow closely in the playoffs and can enjoy that as well. Um, let me see. Definitely have more choices this year, especially with them participating <laughs> in the the Deep South and the South Atlantic. So hopefully, yeah. um, you know they do pretty well. Uh, yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, one other thing that we're curious on is: um, Do you know of any specific players? that we should look out for this season in our general area? Sure. It's, it's a little early as far as registrations are coming across mm-hmm. yeah. uh, for us. Um, I mean, as, as far as any specific players, I wouldn't know any off the top of my head, only in that, you know, I think out of the 2,700 registrants we have every year, we've only had about 150 come yeah, through. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you'll you'll notice a lot more players being announced in and around the beginning of April okay. um, and all through March really I mean that, that's really the the bulk of our our season and that's when we go in and we start to take a look at okay where are these guys from 
you know, who are they, uh, you know, who they played with last year, you know, who are they uh, playing with in college, you know, what were they looking like? And then we develop what is our first iteration of our players to watch list um, for the season. And that's really, um, that's really going to be coming out in and around that time. And we're, we're always super excited about, um, always about that list. Cause it's really the first iteration that to look at a, you know, people love lists, right? I think we all know that, that, that lists are like, <laughs> it's easy to, to put it all together, but that's the first one that we get to put out. And, and we're pretty excited about that one. Um, because that's our first look at it, but that'll be coming out, um, in and around April. Okay, cool. So yeah, we're recording this one early cause mine and Ben's schedules are hectic. <laughs> I think last year we actually talked to you like it was a week or so before we actually aired it. So probably when you're listening so. to this listeners, there should be like a top 50 or top hundred prospects list and we'll tweet it out and all that good stuff. So you guys can see who to look out for. Cause I, I specific, I can't remember the player's name now, but it was a brilliant player for tobacco road. I think Tobacco Road was on the list twice of the top like fifty or hundred players. I can't remember his name. Yeah, the I'm blanking. player. I'm blanking too. But he was awesome. He was uh, good. Whenever we get we're able to watch him. I believe he played for UNC Chapel yeah. Hill. Um, so uh, that list is definitely yep. uh, that list is definitely a valuable one to check out and see if there's any ones in our area for guys to watch out for for sure. But um, so this is more or less all the questions that we had for you that we could come up with. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners about league two or, you know, anything in general about USL? I think we're pretty much getting geared up for what is going to be one of the best years for USL in mm-hmm. general. I mean, championship has more teams than ever with more coming in next year. And league one is, is about to skyrocket as far as, teams that are coming in how they're doing those types of things and league two is only going to follow suit um so we're we're super excited um and this season is going to be it's going to be something for the record books for us that sounds awesome well chris thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and uh we'll check back in with you at some point and uh looking forward to seeing the league two season mm-hmm. awesome always appreciate it guys thanks again to chris madden for joining us on this week's episode Next week, we have an awesome interview with uh, Sonny D'Alessandro of the MPSL Board of Directors, and uh, we're very much looking forward to you guys hearing that conversation. Also, shouts to BGN Network for letting us be a part of the network. Um, My weekly BGN podcast of the week, since it's weekly, is um, 9607 MLS Pod. Um, I was really is, hoping for a podcast with the word weekly in it. <laughs> I don't know if there's one that's weekly yet. Um, but yeah, it's a 9607 MLS pod. But it's really good. It's done by a couple friends of mine in Charlotte, and it's a very good overview of the league. Yeah, so the first 10 uh, Amateur Hour listeners who subscribe to that pod using the code Amateur Hour, which is totally a thing, uh, Ben will teach you how to communicate exclusively in Seinfeld juice. It's a language. So uh, for Ben, I'm Chris, and thanks for listening to this week's Amateur Hour. Goodbye. Goodbye.